Hello. We are glad you found us. Please sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to When Life Attacks. People say I'm no good But they never, never do they say Why their world is so mixed up Oh, how it got that way They all look at me and they frown We're going? Do I yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you can tell that I haven't been back for uh, in the seat for a while. I'm Travis McFalls. And I'm James Hamilton, and we are once again doing a gorilla podcast at my house on this ridiculous microphone as we were last week with Scott. He did a great job. He did uh he did a great job. I I'm I'm sorry I'm not offering a more quality telecast. Telecast. Is it a telecast audiocast podcast? Audiocast podcast. It's a podcast. See, I'm all frazzled. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long day for you, man. I'm moving. I was moving the office last week, and I'm continuing to move this week because we actually ended up picking a different location. Yeah, yeah. So um, what was the last show we did then? Not, I don't know, two shows back. It was the last one we did from our, our home. Our op- I felt like we should have had a bigger send-out for that location. We should have done some sort of special. I feel you. But and we weren't ex- we weren't certain though. We didn't know that that was going to be our last one in the original studio. Yeah. So I feel this is this is strange now. I almost feel like we're doing like beta number one again. We're with orphans. This, with the, yeah. we are. We're orphans. We have <laughs> we have no home. We have no family. We're just out in the world. It's cold outside. I'm hungry. Fuck. We don't have any of our toys. No. No toys. It's a cold place. Yeah, not for these tots. So Scott did, um, I did, yeah, Scott did a good job last week. It's it's kind of cool for me, actually, when he comes in and does it. Um, I sort of liken it to, like, uh, say you've, like, had too much to drink one night and um, your buddy's driving you home in your own car and you're riding, like, shotgun in your own car. I like it. That's kind of what it was like for me. It was It's kind of fun, but, you know, like, all right, I sobered up, you know, this week I'm back. Okay, you know, it's my car. I can I can drive it. It's got to be tough for him because he has no warning. He's <laughs> called at the very just last minute. Yeah. And just sit here and talk. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, remember last week? <laughs> like, I mean, that's got to be, like, the fact that you guys weren't doing that, I, I was pretty proud because it would be so easy to fall back on something like that. Because you guys have that, what is it, brother-in-law relationship. Yeah, he's I mean, he's my brother-in-law, but he's been come more like just my brother. I mean, I see him all the time. He's at every family thing, and he, you know, he gets involved in the mess. I call it a mess because any it is know, a mess. The family's just like a <laughs> like you just threw all the colors into one big bowl and stirred it. It's just an amazingly bright, but sometimes gray, confusing nightmare. It's your average family, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nuts. I uh, I just uh, yeah, 
uh, how he how he keeps up with it. He was helping me. He came to help me move today. Did he really? Yep. Showed up out of the blue, which was awesome. Uh, He was actually sick in the morning, but heard I was moving by myself. When I told you yesterday and you you offered to help move, yeah, we had hired two movers. Okay. And I was told I'd just be kind of directing the move. Yeah. But two movers saw it was only going to be in the 30s today and decided that they weren't going to do it. Oh, nice. So that left just me and a truck and an office. Fuck, why didn't you call me? I didn't have shit going on. Well, I I didn't know because I remember I'd absolved you and I knew it was your day off. Right, so you probably figured, Travis. I figured you probably were having a good time or other things to do. And then I knew that you had to take tests for work and there was all this other stuff. So That's pretty much what I've been doing. I've been binge watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Love that. Yeah, I I re-remembered that it was on Netflix and... uh, Watched like that two-hour pilot episode. Got the nostalgias. I was five years old when it first came out, and I literally remember watching that pilot episode. And I'd never really done Star Trek before that. I, Picard was a fucking man. Picard was insane. Just the way he's always yelling at Wesley. Mm-hmm. Like at first, I thought he was a dick when I was a kid because naturally, you're a kid. You're watching the show. You're like more to the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just remember seeing like Jordy and uh, Worf. Like, Who the what the fuck is this shit? But at the same time was intrigued i had to watch so that's what i've been doing i've been going back a little nostalgia just kind of had that kind of on off to the side while i plug away at my homework for uh for my uh, recertification well you took all your free time and threw it all at san diego and then you had your birthday san diego when did i go to san diego was it san diego or phoenix phoenix phoenix, yeah. phoenix san diego yeah it's all Whatever. the same yeah you know you know the coast of arizona the corner you went to the corner <laughs> Not near the beach, but in the corner. And now... Uh, I went to the fucking deserts where I went. Your birthday, was it any good? Yeah, you know, it was... Uh, we kept it low-key. It was nice. I mean, getting a little older, you know, 35. You know, it's not like I haven't been to a fucking bar before or anything like that. So just eh, some friends over. We kept it low-key, but, you know, it was a good time. It's always good to be around people you know and love. When you're our age, if you do go to a club... People look at you like you're maybe management or security or, you know, like, what are you doing in this bar? <laughs> right. So that naturally leads to more of like a pub atmosphere. Yeah. Or usually when I was uh, when I was in my 20s and then I'd see the 30 year old guy trying to like be cool with the 20 year old girls and try like the, get, out the, get the fuck out of here, poacher. You thought he was poaching. I thought they were poachers, man. I kind of treated them like those assholes that go to Africa and, like, bait lions. Yeah, well, they do have more money than your average 20-year-old. But mostly I just thought they were out of sorts. Like, what is, why are they here? Yeah, exactly. That's a fucking cop. <laughs> I always had a See, so you had the paranoia. Well, I guess, in a way, we had our own set of paranoias. It like, seems right, reasonable, right? Like, yeah. you send a cop into the bar... He drinks seltzer all night, and he reports to people too hammy that are going out to their car. Yeah. That was my phobia. Okay, mine was, why the fuck are you getting with this girl that's old enough to, like, not even, you know, she's like, she could be like your niece. You literally, and quite figuratively, believe that they were taking your supply. I think that's really what it came down to. A little little selfishness. I I think I got, I definitely got jealous. I would get jealous, like, oh, well. Because you'd see them, you know, by that point, they have money. They can buy everyone shots and all that stuff. And you're sitting there going, okay, 
all right, if I play my cards right, I'll be able to buy like one girl a drink, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. But I really, I really got a charmer though. Like <laughs> college broke, there's nothing quite like. Yeah, that. I got, I got to make sure I pick the right one. There was a time we would go to a bar downtown, and I thought that I would just pay a hundred dollars for my first drink, uh-huh. and then the bartender would feed me drinks all right. night long, and like I'm gonna finish ahead. But the bartender started making the first four or five drinks so strong that you just got po- like pined. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't recover. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't get my money's worth. It was shock and awe. Right. I'm like, give me you know five shots and this and that. And by the time an hour and a half had gone by, I've probably overpaid the night's drinks by like forty bucks. <laughs> Fuck! I gotta go home. Yeah, he was just hammering me. Oh this- God. There's a lot of rules one has to learn when you first turn 21 about going to the bar. There's a whole there's a whole dichotomy from the bartender to the waitress to the to what you drink, when you drink it, uh, is it a dance club, is it just a straight bar, are you there for sports, or right. a lot of friends? Yeah, I mean, some people are you there for dancing? You know, then you have to drink certain usually usually a dance club night. That was usually Red Bull and vodkas. You were kind of the disco dance guy, weren't you? You do that. I'd go, go the, out, yeah, tear it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Especially like in Europe and stuff. I mean, we had the discotheques. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'd go out, tear it up. Yeah, typically you do like your Red Bull vodkas, lighter drink, lighter lighter type vodka drinks. Um, college age, yeah, '80s night every Thursday. It's like Thursday, yeah, Thursday Fridays were like my weekends back then. So, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you always work fucked up schedules. So, college age, yeah, 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 80s, 80s night. I could I could swing that at the time. I was I was pretty good at, you know, all you have to do is just dance terribly like a white boy and like, oh, he's 80s dancing. That's true. That's true. That does work for 80s. But if you're over six feet tall and you dance, you pretty much always look like a dickhead. Always. Well, I'm 6'1", and I you did look all like right. A dickhead. Yeah, I thought I did all right. You I probably did. do. I did all right. I can't. I've actually saw myself dancing on a wedding video when I was like ten or eleven, and it forever scarred me. Oh! I was like, "Wow, we're not going to do that again." <laughs> there's guys that can dance, and then there's guys that can't, and I am one of those that cannot dance. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those were. Uh, you know, they also no. Those were typically yeah. Those were mixed drink nights because that was the special that they had going on too. I like so, how you, you categorically label it as a, well, hmm, was that, was that a beer night or was that a cocktail night? That was, Must have been a cocktail. Those were definitely cocktail nights. 80s nights were cocktails night, cocktail nights. So and usually your lighter cocktails, your gins, like I said earlier, your vodkas. Of course, inevitably some sort of Jaeger type shot would get broken out. And then um, they'd usually give you bottles of water too because you were out there working up a sweat. So Or they thought you were tripping. Because a lot of people that go to dance clubs are rolling or tripping. Rolling probably more so than tripping, yeah. Yeah. LSD kind of went out of style, but it's coming back. Yeah. Is it? Yep, it is. Holy shit. The government's opened up trials for these universities to start testing kids because they found that there is perhaps a uh, link between uh, psychedelics and curing various forms of anxiety, um bipolar disorder, um, schizophrenia. I call bullshit. 
Uh, no, uh, you can actually you can find really? this information on YouTube. Uh, Nat Geo did a whole special about LSD, its effects, and what it cures, and um, what it's capable of doing in terms of sort of resetting it. In but, fact, but in that's got to be like pure LSD, low dosage, not like street acid. Why? I mean, I mean, don't isn't the main chemical strychnine, rat poison? No. 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 Tell me tell me about it, guru. Well, I mean, I'm not a chemist, but I mean, you could get I suppose you could get some junk dirty acid where they've tried to refine it out of that and then I guess to okay. your point, if you didn't get clean acid and you got shitty acid, yeah, that probably wouldn't be uh it wouldn't re- produce the results or cure-alls that, you know, these universities are doing, but um God, I hate to I hate to regurgitate something I've watched because it's so difficult. You know, you end up paraphrasing a lot of it, and then if anybody goes back and listens to it, you kind of look like an asshole. Like, well, it wasn't he was kind of close on how he remembered <laughs> it, but basically, uh, the guy invented it. The, the the guy who invented it invented it by accident. Yeah, yeah. By, it was a uh, what was it, a Scandinavian or a German? European. Let's just say European. So we're not way off. Well, he wasn't French. And, uh, you know, eventually it lands in the hands of the government. And during the 60s, they get into all of these crazy test phases. Yeah, they did the acid test. What was it? The electric Kool-Aid bus or whatever. Yeah, they were doing... And they go through that in this in this documentary. And, in fact, they were... One of these schools was doing tests where they were bringing geniuses in, having them drop. And then an hour and a half after, you know, after you get kind of through the giggle phase... Uh, they would have them tackle their biggest obstacle, like whatever problem they were working on their profession, mm-hmm. and they'd put them to work for an hour or two on trying to solve these problems. In a considerable amount of time, these guys were able to overcome whatever creative blocks they had and solve big problems, stuff that affects the way we live today. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's like a speed, so it's just their mind is racing. Is it speed? I thought it was more of a it's psychedelic. A, well, it's a speedy psychedelic. Acid? I never felt real quick. Really? I I thought it was kind of made you like, like, I don't know, like electric, like electricity in your veins. You could describe it a lot of different ways. In <laughs> right. fact, that's kind of a joke when you're tripping, when someone starts to describe their trip. Everybody yeah. like zero. I'm a that. little crunchy right now. I'm mushy. I'm, I'm cotton. I'm blue. Oh, I love tripping. When I was in high school and early college, it was a blast. And then, I mean, it was kind of something to do in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that going around in the 90s. Yeah. It was a good time. And then, uh, you know, I don't know. You don't know the right people or you, whatever, that just that, that phase of your life passes. As but it as, should. As we've gotten older, though, I've noticed more and more acquaintances that are being diagnosed with a lot of emotional and mental issues anxiety is something that you and i have talked about a million times oh yeah i get the huge i get i get pretty bad anxiety and i have to you know i don't take any drugs or anything for it myself you know i try to overcome it myself and just tell myself like you're being stupid come on you're just driving your car on the freeway everything's fine that's one you're just in it you know you're just in a crowded room you know you've been in a crowded room before you're at work. You know what you're doing here. You know, you're trained. You know what you're doing. You're not going to do anything stupid. You're fine. 
And so I try to take more of the, uh, I don't know, meditative um, therapy towards my anxiety. I don't think I would ever try LSD for my anxiety. I think, if anything, that would be an anxiety, like, what would you call that? Uh, uh, enhancer. <laughs> anxiety enhancer. Well, if you have a bad trip... Uh, you know, it's sort of like if you don't smoke weed very often and, you know, you get some really good weed and smoke it by yourself and all of a sudden you've convinced yourself you're having a heart attack because it's just, it's just way too strong. Yeah. It's way too much. So you're intense. You're not used to it. Yeah. So if you, you know, drop three, four hits of acid and, you know, go sit in a room by yourself, you might not come out the other end quite the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you I mean, plan acid lasts like a long time too. Acid's like a... That's uh, that's a, like an ordeal because you get the nice part of it for what? Only a couple hours, but then you have like a 12-hour self-introspective come down where you know, your it, body is fighting, you know. It depends on what – because there's different kinds that you could take. There were different, you know, there were different um, chemists and they would have, you know, red sunshine and white tile and Mr. Yuck and – Purple Haze? Yeah. Was Purple Haze one? Uh, I didn't personally have that if it was, but there were three or four that I knew of that, you know, there were also, uh, you get uh, somebody give you a vial and they'd be hitting sugar cubes with it, you know, they'd give you a. Yeah, I remember hearing the sugar. What's the the blotters? Isn't that like the blotters? That's the the paper, right? Right. Yep. And then there were like gel tabs. Don't ask me how I know all this shit. I I'm, I hung out with a lot of people. Let's put it that way. The paper was reliable because it would kind of puff up. Uh, you know, it would kind of get like a little pillow mm-hmm. they, when they'd hit it with it. And uh, you, you kind of, not that you knew what you were taking, but there was an appearance to it where you knew, well, well hey, I'm not just buying a piece of paper here and I'm going to, you know, have a placebo effect. But uh, the sugar cubes were kind of weird. They would... They would, uh, depending on who you bought it from, they may have, you know, been generous and knowing what they were doing, not right. knowing what they were doing, or somebody who was like, you know, very, very stingy with it. Well, you want to kind of know because if you take too much, you can have a. I mean, it's just you too can much. freak the fuck out. Yeah, it's too much. I mean, you're not going you know, to. What it's do not they bath do? Salts, but it's what do they, what would they do? Like if they brought a person into a hospital and he was freaking out on acid. Would they try to sedate him? Would they try to give him, like, put him to sleep, knock him out? Well, it depends on if they're just, I mean, if they're, you know, they will strap you in if you're mentally not capable of being around other people. And then that's going to be bad. That's going to fuck up that person in the head even worse, being strapped in. Otherwise, they just turn the lights on, hook you up to a drip, and just kind of, you know. Give you some benzodiazepines, try to calm you down. I don't even think they do that. Because they're not certain, they can't be certain what you took from whoever you got it from. Because it's not like, oh, I took this acid made by this person. Right, it's like, well, right. What exactly did you take? Yeah. So what that's chemicals kid are there? gloves, kind of. Okay. Unless you get worse, but it's a fun. It's a fun. How do you? Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to be a proponent of drugs. Although I am, aren't I? I'm <laughs> you very kind of pro are. drugs. Yeah, you are. Uh, but I'm very Ooh. pro. Sorry, I'm still getting used to the gorilla setup here. Go see what the sun looks like in the other side of the planet kind of guy, too. You know, I've just, there's so many experiences. The more that you can have, the better, as long as it's safe. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. At the same time, I'm also not going to be on that first fucking shuttle to Mars. 
No, no. <laughs> you definitely want to watch everyone else buy from this guy before you buy the asset. Exactly, you know, exactly. For sure. Same way, even if you're buying a car or a computer whenever they come out with the new model, always sit back. Let the other people buy it first. Then you find out the flaws. Then they'll get back. They'll get working on them. They'll fix it. And then they'll get a better product out to you. You're the nature guy, right? If it grows in the ground, you're cool with it, basically. Um, That's your rule. I'm cool with people taking stuff like that, yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, if it helps you, it helps you. I mean, I'm all for if it helps you, cool. Now, there is also a group of people that like to take a lot of acid. They were called the Manson family. Yep. I was wondering if you were going to arrive at that. So, yeah, uh, Charles Manson. We're going to Charles. Um, he was what? Uh, in He was in. He was a thief. He hadn't killed anybody, right? That's not how no, he was. No, he was a thief. And then, then he wrote like a bad check for like only like $43, which even at the time, not a lot of money. Right. And that's what caused him to do the majority of his time. Because he, for, he forged something. It was yeah. like a federal document or a federal check that he forged, and he got big boy time. Yeah, yeah. And then when he was in jail, he, that's when he learned to play guitar. And they went to release him, and he was like, don't release me. I'm institutionalized. Don't release me. Like you thought it was home? Like this yeah, is home? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fucking funny, because, I mean, obviously it happens, and I'm not a big fan of the prison system. Anyway, but... Yeah, when you've got a guy saying, don't release me. That's, yeah, like the world out there is scary. I want to stay in prison. That's depressing. It's kind of a yellow flag. Might be a red flag. I'd go with red. Yeah. Feel very red. Kind of maybe huge. Yellow's more like pause, let him out. Yeah. Red's like, he wants to stay in prison. (laughs) Not a good deal. Clearly he's not sane. We probably shouldn't let him out in the world. He wants to stay in jail. What I don't understand about the whole Manson thing was he was kind of selling... He was selling a lot of shit. In other words, the family, the Manson family, was really kind of pulled together out of convenience for him. How so? Because for me, the, my understanding is how he formed it. It was much like um, how Jim Jones got his followers. Uh, only he kind of preyed on runaway girls. Well, so did Manson. I know he was pimping girls. No, that's literally, no, I'm literally talking about Manson. That's how he built his family was specifically, he went after runaways. Um, Well, he turned it into a harem for himself. For himself, right. But like, if you look at all the famous, you know, Squeaky Fromm and all those ones, you know, they were all runaways. That's how he got Squeaky Fromm. He was able to literally go up to her and he was in a van. He was just like, hey, uh. You just you, you have problems with your parents, don't you? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And you just ran away from them, huh? Yeah. And he was like, get in my van. They were, the way I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the formation of the quote-unquote family was exactly what you're describing where he was preying on these people, but somehow, some way, he gets hooked up with a dude from the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys, Dennis Wilson, the drummer. And, uh, he was sort of like the out there one. He was the only beach boy that knew how to surf. That gave him uh, all the, all the, you know, all the street cred he needed to attract a lot of young, struggling, lost, artistic hippie people. Um, yeah, 
you can't really put that on Brian or on. I always want to say Brian Wilson because he was my favorite Beach Boy. Uh, Dennis Wilson. You can't put that on Dennis Wilson so much because it just kind of happened by freak chance. He picked up one of the ones that would eventually ended up uh, in two of the murders, and then another one. So he picked up two Manson family girls that were hitchhiking. And then that's sort of how he got connected with them. Then the Manson family came and stayed at his house for an, like an extended period of time. Extended. So much so that he had to move out of his own house. Uh, it ended up costing him like six figures worth of money like in damages to the house. Which at that time, shit, even now, six figures is a lot of money. And, you know, he had to give him the boot and then he ended up having, like, the house was just, he had to sell the house. I'm and take feeling a, a lot of responsibility when you support a cult for over a year in your own home to the tune of six figures in the wasn't 60s. quite over a year. Well. But it was an extended period of time. Yeah. A long so, time. Yeah. A long enough time that a person could be unhappy, move right. out of their own home, and have to sell it over the damages. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, he just kind of started, you know, like, uh, okay, fuck this guy. And then Manson uh, drove Manson crazier because, you know, he'd be like, well, hook me up with this producer or that producer. And, you know, Wilson would be like, okay, I'll tell him uh, about you, but, you know, whether the guy shows up or not, that's up to him. He was laying down music, though. Manson has music. Manson has music. That's what we came in on Is with it? this show. We came in on Manson. Is that music popular? I don't know. I had never I really I heard can't it. Think, I can't think of a time I listened to a song and they're like, well... That was originally recorded by that's Charles Manson. A, that's a Charles Manson family song. Uh, that's a Manson song. Apparently, I think one of his songs was... The Beach Boys did one of his si- songs and put it on one of their B-sides. He... So we can both agree that Manson was not only a sad a sad case. As I understand it, he had a mom who was a criminal and did time. She was a prostitute. And a Specifically thief. a she was prostitute. Also a thief. Went she to prison she? for robbery or something. And he... I think one of the first times he got out of prison, they had some embrace, and it's the only warm moment he has of her. After that, she tried to... She tried to get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Disown him, and that's really what started his whole life of, you know, crime. And and obviously, when you're in prison, uh, even today, prison's pretty racially divided. Whites with whites, Mexicans with Mexicans, blacks with blacks. Right, Right. It's, you know, kind of a racist place in the first place. Yeah, we've all watched Orange is the New Black. Well, I have a friend serving time right now, and he's 10 years into an 11-year sentence, and he's, it's very much like that. It is. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's no uh, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman walking around (laughs) the yard kind of fucking relationship going on. Right. It's very segregated. Okay. So, you could see how, because, I mean, that was his thing, right? He believed that there was a race war coming. Yes, and that was and, the Manson family thing. Yeah, and he specifically believed that the blacks were going to win the way, win the race war. That the blacks were going to win the race war because the compassionate whites and the racist whites were going to basically take each other out. Right, leaving all of the other races uh, left. In that, if you were in the Manson family, you would be the rulers of these other races. Because after a while, these other races would devour themselves because apparently they're not sophisticated enough to or or they'd never been in a place of power so they wouldn't know how to rule themselves so then they'd be like oh well we need to bring back the few whiteies that are left to rule 
And because uh, apparently that's what white people do well is rule. And hey, guess who's got the golden ticket? Us okay. who and then they were gonna hide out in this like deep cave hole in the ground or something, right? Okay, now so now as you've touched on something, because I want to dissect this a little bit, right? Yeah. Because when when they describe what he was teaching, it was part Scientology and part uh, what's the other fucking yeah group? the uh, the one that basically believes like God and the devil are the same. Yeah. Uh, that well, no, that what it believes that Satan and Christ would 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 mend fences, right? And then they would judge. They will judge us all. Right. And then he was the accompaniment of Jesus. He was both Jesus and the devil all in one, is what he would tell his... Um, the process church of the final judgment. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound... Like, I wouldn't That wanna, doesn't sound good. Like on Sunday, you read that on the sign, you're like, this will be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what you're describing doesn't sound like any of that. No. <laughs> Ron L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology thing, which you know how I feel about that. Right, right. You, you know how I feel about that too. Uh, if you're a Scientologist, look, you know, whatever. But you know what? Not whatever. I think it's fucking bullshit. But whatever. Yeah. He was selling that bullshit, and yeah. then you got to the cave. You know, like so. There's Scientology comes in. That's where your Scientology comes in. Right, right. You kind of come up with this fantastical story of. Well, what was it? Was it? It was like an underground, like crevice or cave, that they would be able to hide in, and like they had doom buggies to like get them. Like they were like stockpiling doom buggies to get them out in the desert, where apparently this hole was going to be that they were going to hang out in for X amount of years until the ship blew over, and then the you know other races came looking to them to lead them. I just I and don't know was, how you even sell this to sixteen year old prostitutes. Right, right. Like I'd be and sitting there listening to this guy. Like, Look, I got a I got a jet. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. But here's the here's the here's here's so and then and then what does he call this master plan? This is original, folks. He calls it Helter Skelter, the name of a Beatles song off the White Album. Uh, how do you he, he doesn't even come up like with his own like Charles Manson's hole in the ground philosophy or something like that. He just straight up rips off a Beatles title. You know, this whole thing that's going to happen is called Helter Skelter, man. Because he thought that the Beatles were somehow talking to him or something. Yeah, that God was talking to him through, through the, Beatles. the Beatles. Yeah, and there was like only like three bands that he allowed his people to listen to, and it was like the Beatles. His own shit, naturally. Right. And then it was like some shit like Captain and Tennille or one of those type of band, like Peaches and Herb or something. Most of you under the age of 45 have no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) So. I mean, like very folky, kind of, not even really rock and roll, right? More folky. Partridge family kind of stuff. I'm not quite Partridge family-ish, but yeah, it's. We'll just go with the folky, yeah, kind of it's like in that. that realm. Yeah, and folky, hippie. not rocky. No, um, you're sitting there and he's selling this to you, and you're looking at him, and you know he's fucking crazy, right? Because when the, when the album starts talking to you, at what point are you sitting with Charles Manson? Like, so this family got any room? <laughs> you know, I'm in. <laughs> Here's the keys to my car. I'm in. <laughs> Fuck my car, give me a dune buggy. It's <laughs> just ridiculous. I know. But so how was he able to control these people? Were any, was any of the music he did good? Yes. 
I can actually say that. Um, my ex-fiance from Texas, believe it or not, listened to Charles Manson's music. That's got to be weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. It was so, a, that's like, like she'd be like, "Hey, baby, you know, you know, listen to this, you know." And then like I, I knew that she was into Manson music, so like when she brought it up to me like that, she'd be like, "You know who this is?" And be like, "Let me guess, it's probably fucking Charles Manson, right?" Well, yeah, how'd you? Yeah, cause you, yeah I can fucking tell. Um, didn't he write a book? Did he write? Wasn't his book called Helter Skelter? Did he write Helter Skelter, or did someone? No, the attorney that put him away wrote Helter Skelter. But he did write his own book. I thought he wrote a book when he was in prison. He did this. Which which time? When well, he was in prison, like after the murders. Yeah, I think he did write a book too. Yeah, he's been married several times, and you know, yeah, he's probably whole, he's probably spread his seed illegitimately throughout. I mean, to the point where like there was a DJ in L.A. claiming that he was Manson's son through Manson raping a girl early geez. on in the cults and. I mean, he was a twisted, twisted dude. So they put the Manson family together, and how do we end up killing people? So, you know, well, how does he get them to join in the first place? How does he get them paranoid? He just drops them constantly with heavy doses of acid. Okay. Are you, sh- are you sure? Where is this? What, why are we getting mad at acid? See, I feel like we're getting <laughs> mad at acid. Because it left them susceptible to, um, I mean, think about it. They're constantly tripping, constantly all the time on acid. And what he would do is he would load them up. This is at least when they make – when the people that are in jail make their defense of how they ended up with Manson, they always tell you like all we did was like took acid. And she said – you know, most of them would say later on then they found out that he wasn't even taking acid. Or he would just take like a tiny, small dose of it so it didn't really hit him as hard. And he would do things like he would reenact uh, the crucifixion of Christ with him being Christ. And like the fucking nails going on, you know, going in and shit. Yeah, he said his weird, his name weird, right? He had some way he pronounced his name oh, that yeah. was fucking weird where he used his middle name. Yeah. Like... Charles Willis Man. Charles Willis Man. Yeah, Willis, Charles Will is Man. Will is Man's son. Yeah, he would deliberately say it slow. Yeah, Will is Man's son. Yeah, and then yeah, he would like reenact uh, all that shit. And you got to think, man, these are like sixteen, seventeen, anywhere from like what, like sixteen to twenty-two year old people. They're really lost in their life. They're looking for answers. They're fucking high as fuck on acid. I mean, I don't know about it. I don't, I don't think I could handle that shit. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I mean, I could. It's I could only now. because all of the people in that courtroom had not dropped acid that they even considered their plea to be, oh, well, you took a lot of acid. That's, I mean, you could fill me full of acid for the next 10 years and you wouldn't see me run across the street and murder anyone. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a weird drug. It's not. It's it not a weird drug. It fucks with your head. And if you do it often, it really doesn't have, like, every, you can't do it often and get the same effect. Yeah. You know. Was it like heroin where you're chasing the dragon? It's your, you just, you rewire things, you know. Your body adapts. Yeah, so I'm sure your brain becomes fucking rewired. But it's not rewired in a way where you're going to go run around and murder people. Yeah. You know, these, these people bought in to what he was selling and it wasn't because of fucking acid. They were racist. 
degenerate in a lot of ways. I mean, they were on the street. They were homeless. They didn't have any guidance. Yeah. The I mean, a one, lot the of these girl people. girl got off said she had daddy issues. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I drove the getaway card because I'm like my fucking stepdad. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they all had, they definitely all had parental issues because they were runaways. But I mean, heck, one of them, she was like the prom queen. Um, I mean, you know, you'd think like. You know, you'd see these people out and about like, oh, yeah, they're just normal fucking people. So how do they get to that point? That Tex guy, I mean, he was just a college kid from Texas that came out to visit one of his buddies and then got hooked in and then ended up like stabbing every fucking person that they murdered. Like, that, that, dude, guy, that, that guy was like, he, he wanted the gold star. Like Manson <laughs> would tell him to go do something and he would overdo it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I'll stab them 30 times, carve something into their chest. And then with their own blood, write something on the wall. That was the, no, the girls did the writing. The girls did the art. He did the, uh, he was a he, fucking twisted dude. Yeah. He made the paint for him to art. The, so the first few murders are what well, started off like some musician or something that they felt owed him money. And I think only one of the ones that was at the Tate residence. Let's be organized. Let's be organized. I've got my phone out just so I can kind of deliver the information uh, accurate. All right. It starts in the first murder starts in March of uh, 69, right? Yep, March of 69, so March 23rd. So so to put it into perspective, Woodstock takes place, you know, the whole gathering, peace, love, rock and roll. That takes place, I think, in August of that year. This is Woodstock year, and we're just coming off the summer of love, which was 68. And at this point in 68 uh, is when he kind of hooks up with Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. They live with him for... Almost a year, so they're looking for a new place around this time. End up at Spawn Ranch. Everything seems pretty. I mean, he's hanging out with Hollywood types. Yeah, it's a uh, it's like an he's actually deal. yeah he's actually like a dude on the scene. And the only re- you know people were just like he's kind of crazy. And at that time, that was like far out, man. You know, Cause they didn't think he was gonna murder people. They just thought he was out there. What I don't understand is the the, so the first murder that takes place is on July 1st. And uh, he shot a local drug dealer, Bernard Crow. Okay, and the guy lived. And yeah, but it, it, so they basically, call it the so, first murder. What's that? That's bullshit because it's not the first murder. It's the first time he thought he'd killed somebody. So they got into an altercation. I think it was over drugs or something, right? Well, I mean, you're feeding everybody that much acid. I'm sure there's a supply <laughs> issue. Yeah, yeah. And so. <laughs> and so. He shoots this guy, uh, and he's a black guy, and then he thinks, oh, shit, he hears that same night on the news, they say that they found a black panther that had just been shot. And so he's thinking, like, oh, fuck, I just shot a black panther. Helter Skelter, man. Helter Skelter's going to start. So he thinks he just kicked off the race war. So now he's got to kick shit into overdrive. So they're running out of money, Mm -hmm. and this guy, Gary Hinman... They hold hostage for two days, and they want to extort money from him, and then they kill him. Yeah, he was like just like a music teacher or some shit. Well. Right? Whatever you're doing, if you've been held hostage for two days and people are going to kill you, don't you give them the money? Yeah. Was Gary maybe a little dumb? 
Jerry might not have played his cards too wise there. Right, like you, you're with some really fucking crazy people, all tripped out, and you're like, okay, you want the 500 in the bank account? Here you go. Well, I think it was um, he had just received an inheritance or something, and I don't know why it lasted for two days. I really don't. I think he kept telling him, like, just get Charles down here. We'll work everything out. And it took Charles, like, two days. And then I think he ended up giving him what he wanted. And then as uh, Charles was walking out, because, you know, Manson himself really would rarely get his hands dirty. And so then he said to the dude that was there, and it wasn't the text guy. It's the first one. Um, he was like, uh, you know, you know what to do. Hands him like a, like, I think he gave him a sword or something, or a knife. Like, yeah, and they dismember him, right? Is that what happens to him? Manson dismembered him. He shot, like, lopped his ear off. And then at that point, you know, it was like, all right, we got to finish this guy. We just held him hostage. So, you know what to do. Finish it. And is the next murder the Tate murders? Is that the next Yeah, I think happens? it goes straight to the Tate murders after that. So a couple weeks later, like two, three weeks later, maybe. She's a something. I mean, she's not a nobody. She's very much a somebody. She's married to Roman Polanski. Wasn't she in Beverly Hillbillies? Uh, and she's uh, pregnant? Very much so. Like, I mean, about to pop. Uh, eight and a half months pregnant when they murder her? Yeah. And um, Jesus Christ, they murder a lot of people. The Yeah, the heiress to the Folgers. Um, coffee. Well, I just mean at this one, because uh, that's n- later on. No, 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 no. Night, Folgers was at Tate's house. Uh, it was. Are you right? You might be right. It's full you're right. Room. Yeah, you're fucking right. Yeah, she got it in the front lawn. Yeah, they. Uh, so it's Tex Watson, a dude. Mm-hmm. Susan Atkins. Gold Star. We'll call him Gold Star. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Lone Star, Gold Star. Susan Atkins. Who's now? She died, right? Yeah. Now she was like, I mean, if any of those ones, like Atkins and Watson, would be the two. Like, actually, all of them, most of them, I would say, no parole. Um, Atkins was fucked in the head. She's the one that, like, I think she wanted to like cut the baby out of Tate. She was hot. I heard. Right? Was wasn't Atkins? Hot? Weren't they all considered hot back then? No, no, but I, like she was like a Barbie doll hot. No, oh, I thought that was Van Houten. She was the beauty. She was the prom queen. She's the next night. I mean, she looks a little nuts, right? Like, for those she of you following nuts. along, if you Wikipedia Susan Atkins, she looks a little, I don't know. Like she's been in jail for a while. Well, yeah. She definitely looks like she's been in prison for, you know, into her 60s. Do you know she has children? What? Yeah. How'd she get children? She had a child, a son, in 68. Huh. So she was born in 48. She's 21. She's old yeah. enough to know the difference at this point when she decides to murder Tate. Yeah. God, she wanted to cut the baby out. She, that's what I heard. Like You've she, taken this podcast to a dark place. I know. This is a I dark know. Charles Manson dark place. This, we should have fucking done this on Halloween. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Um, yep. And then Abigail Folger, heiress to the Folger coffee fortune, was murdered. Yeah. An 18-year-old kid who is visiting the caretaker of the home gets murdered. He's the first one. Tex shoots him. They climb over the fence. Poor bastard's, like, leaving. He's just like, hey, what's going on? Nothing. Bang. They shot him, what, like four times? Um, They shot him up pretty good. Well, specifically, Tex Watson shot him up pretty good. Tate gets killed last. Yeah, they made her watch all of her friends die. Uh, her, her ex-lover, Jay Sebring. Who was like a celebrity hairstylist. He was the first to get it. Uh, 
it, it they didn't give me the order here of how they're going. Well, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah. How they so all basically, the way it happened was, um, um, so they like go in, like Tex Watt, Tex climbs over the fence and like takes uh, wire cutters and disconnects the phone line. And then as he's doing that, you know, the kid's pulling out from after just having visited the caretaker. So instead of letting the kid go, because, I mean, he could have just hid in the bushes and let the kid go. Right. But instead, he stops his car, uh, has just, like, a quick exchange with him, and then pulls out a gun and shoots him, like, four times in the chest or something. Kills him instantly. And yet somehow no one in the house hears this. So... I would guess a Roman Polanski party would be pretty awesome, but if you're eight and a half months pregnant, maybe you're not partying. They were, like, taking it easy. Like, I think they were winding down. Uh, actually, I know that they were, um, according to what I read. <laughs> how did they not fucking hear four gunshots? That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you not? Yeah. Well, it was July. Maybe they thought. It was August. Well, was it July? July? Or August. Is it July? or I thought it was July. It was well after the 4th of July. Was it close enough to it? It was closer to Woodstock. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with nope. You're right. August eighth, so it's it's way after the Fourth of July. Yeah. You're hearing four gunshots then, right? All right. Um, unless you're just it's Hollywood. I don't know. Um, well, I think they were sleeping. So so anyway, so he shoots them. Now the girl that drove the getaway car, the one that's eventually going to get off um, of her charges, um, is that Linda Kasabian? Yes. Yeah, Kasabian. So they all then go up to the place, and Kasabian thinks they're going on one of their quote-unquote creepy crawls, where they'd go to people's houses, break in, like just steal their wallet and climb out. So she thinks they're doing this. But then they see, and then Tex Tex tells her to like stay put or something. He tells her to stay behind. And so then they go in, and um, Tex, of course, goes in first. Let's the girls in through the. Uh, he goes in through a window. Let's the girls in through the front door. No one's noticing him at this point. Uh, they walk like past Folgers. I think um, Atkins even has like an exchange with Folgers. Like waves at her as Folgers is reading in her bed. Like just you know, I get, this was apparently you know back then in California and the kind of lifestyle they lived. Like they would just leave their door unlocked and people would come in and out. And it was just groovy. Or some, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds nuts to me. But so then um, eventually Tex is like, all right, round him up. Uh, they find the one dude, Folger's boyfriend, um, sleeping on the couch. I can't remember his name. It's um, uh, oh gosh. Benedict Canyon is where this takes place in California. Does isn't? I thought it was kind of like a woodsy place. Is mm. it not? No, I thought it was up on the. It's up on the hills. It's a street address, former luxury home of Benedict Cannon as part of the Beverly Crest. Da, 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 da. Uh, is it still up now? Uh, yeah, I think that's still there. It's a hillside structure, faces east. So I guess it is, I guess, sort of in the thick of it. I'm just, just wondering, like, I'm sitting in bed even right now. Somebody walks by my window and waves. I'm on alert. Right. Like, it's bedtime. What are you doing in my fucking yard? Yeah. Clearly, Folgers wasn't with it. So, that's that's just one of the depictions that I've heard of it. I don't okay. know for a fact if that happened or not. So, uh, so the Wojtek uh, Frakowski, who was a friend of Polanski's, and uh, Polanski's out of town doing a movie. He's finishing up a movie. And uh, I think uh, Wojtek uh, Frakowski, I think Frakowski was 
uh, Folger's boyfriend at the time, and he passes out on the couch. And so basically, they wake him up like, "Hey, motherfucker!" Um, Do they kill him too? So they round everyone gets killed, and so they round him all up into the living room. And at this point, um, they tell him to all get down on their stomachs and just lay down, you know. So that at this point, this is when the hairstylist, the Sebring guy, he starts arguing with um, Tex saying, she's fucking eight and a half months pregnant. She can't lay down on her stomach. Um, so then they have like a little altercation, a little, I don't know if it was a scuffle or not. The depictions I've seen or heard of it do just pretty much, they get into a, a little exchange, like, no, get the fuck down. No, she can't. She's pregnant. Boom. Shoots him. Kills him. Takes a rope. Wraps it around like a rafter, wraps it around dude's neck or something like that, and then wraps Sharon Tate around with it. So they're like tethered on this like rope that's slung over like a beam, like a ceiling beam. At uh, this point, um, gold star. Dude gets a gold star for scaring the fucking shit out of people before he murders them. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Folgers is freaking out. She goes and gets money out of uh, her bedroom. And then something happens. They start stabbing the Voitech guy. This is where it gets a little hazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start stabbing the Voitech guy, or he tries to make an escape. And uh, oh no, dude shoots him as he's trying to run out the door or something. Hits him twice. He makes it out the door. Now at this point, Kasabian, the driver, has come up into the front lawn, and she sees the guy walk out. Like, she's literally watching this guy that just got shot, like, walk out through the front door. And she's like, what the fuck? And she sees him bleeding, and apparently she just looked at him and said, I'm sorry. She's the getaway driver. She's the getaway driver. And she looks at this guy and says, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. At this point, Gold Star comes fucking rushing out, starts stabbing the shit out of the dude. Um, And then during that scuffle, Folger's freaked out and there was like a chase around like the front of the house or something and eventually um not Kasabian, not Atkins, the other one. Um fucking Cornwinkler or uh, Crenwinkle. Thank you. Crenwinkle catches up with uh Folgers and just starts just stabbing her up in the front yard. So Kasabian's walking up and just seeing this shit happen, like what the fuck is going on? So then Tex tells her, go back to the fucking car. Now, at this point, does she get, does she, at this point, I'm starting that fucking vehicle up and I'm taking the fuck off. I'm going right to the police, aren't yes, you? Yes, I, I, I am. That's what I'm Do doing. Do not pass go right to jail. <laughs> yes. Please help. Yes, I am. I'm running red lights. She does not. She I'm, stays I'm, Yeah, I'm running red lights. And great, if a cop pulls me over, then I can, you know what I mean? You're even closer. But you she says that they have her kid and that they've threatened to kill her family and that she's been kind of wanting to leave this whole time, but they're right. forcing her to play ball. And part of the reason, yeah, right. And they make her do it because she's one of the few people that has a driver's license, which they keep and they only give it to her when they need her to drive. And that, that's Linda Casbian. Casabian. Casabian, sorry. Right, Thank right. You. And so. Um, so it's one so dude she, and three, three chicks. Three chicks. Yeah. Take down two dudes. Two dudes, two chicks. And two chicks. Well, technically three because the kid in the driveway. So three dudes and two chicks. Yeah. 
plus the baby that was the baby, the unborn baby. baby. Jesus Christ. So yeah, so then they go and they make a mess. Yeah, so after they finish off Folgers and um, Frykowski, they go in and uh, you know the whole time Atkins was with Tate and she was kind of taunting Tate and telling her, you know, we're gonna cut out your baby, we're gonna kill your baby, and Tate was like, look, I just want to live, like just let me live long enough to have the baby, just don't harm the baby. And, uh, you know, Atkins is still just fucking with her and like, no, you're going to die and so is your baby. And sure enough, um, they don't really say who put the... um, At first, Atkins claimed she was the one that killed Sharon Tate, but it later came out that it was Tex. Fucking gold star again. You know, I should preface this by first telling you that our show has kind of been picked up by people that have anxiety and they like listen to our show because it like <laughs> calms their mind and chills them out. Yeah. You fucked all that up. It's <laughs> all fucked up right now. Well this is I mean we're 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 giving you a cautionary tale of, you know Sort of. Um, or we might just be talking about a psycho. But yeah, we're ta- yeah. Cuts out babies and shit. Uh s- second, at this point, these people are doing all of this. Why? How does this why was Manson convicted for this? So, well, I mean, then you got to go to the next night. The next night, there's two more killings. So, and almost a third. Those of you trying to relax, you could probably skip ahead if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> so, after they kill Tate, um, that's when they write pig in blood on the uh, door. Um, and Polanski left it up like that for a long time. People thought he was sick and macabre. And, you know, he said, you know, I want people to know that this happened, you know, uh, for whatever reason. But uh, so, yeah, so then so they go back and they're all celebrating like they just did something fucking great. And the next night comes and. Um, the one girl, uh, the one that stabbed Folgers, I keep forgetting her, Krenwinkle, apparently she went up to, um, you know, he came up to her and Tex afterwards and we're like, how to go? Tex kind of told her, then she apparently looked at Manson and said, hey, they were just, they were so young. They were so young as well. And apparently he told her, just, you know, get the fuck out of my face. And then the next day he's like, all right, I'm going with you fuckers to show you how to do it because you guys fucked up that whole Tate thing. Oh, oh, and before they left for the Tate residence, he also told uh, two of the girls or three of the girls, he said, write something witchy. Write something witchy when you're done. So hence they're writing pig in blood on the... Yeah, Atkins writes pig on the house's front door. Yeah, in in Tate's Tate's blood. blood. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And this was, as I understood it, Manson sent them there because... Um, the house belonged to somebody else, and he so, led them to believe that they were going to this so, Terry Meckler, an executive who Manson had also met during his time with Wilson. Yep. Yeah, because Meckler kind of stood him up. He thought, you know, Meckler was going to be the guy that was going to get him into the industry, and then Meckler was kind of like, this guy's fucking crazy. I don't want anything to do with this guy. And so stood good him up. Good instincts. Yeah, good very instincts. good instincts. <laughs> Apparently moved out of the house at some point, and then the Polanski Tate family moved in. And and Manson knew this, but Manson knew that the Polanski family had moved in. But 
maybe he thought that. Uh, well, I well, think he is crazy. We well, no, he no, because he, he went crazy. to the house. He went to the house looking for the producer one day, and um, I think it was the Frykowski guy that answered the door, and he was like, "Hey, dude, doesn't fucking here. live here, right? Get the fuck, get out of here." And then apparently Tate came to the door, like one of those, "Hey, who is this?" And he saw Tate and recognized her. So I think it was in his head. He was kind of like, okay, well, I can't get the producer. I can still get someone big here. Okay. So I think that's what was in his head. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to dance around in Charles Manson's head. They go ditch the clothes, ditch the weapons in the hills, go back to Charlie, and Charlie's like, you fucked it up. That was a boring way to kill people. I'm going to show you how to kill people. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, so what the fuck does... um, Mr. Compassion, Mr. fucking genius, dude, when um, they get back from murdering the Tates, he goes, uh, you guys did it wrong. You guys, no. Because the one girl, Krebwinkler, um, <laughs> she basically, uh, she uh, kind of said, you know, like, they were, they were young. They were so young, she was a little shell-shocked from what she had just done. Well, I just murdered five people. Yeah, well, specifically, her main part in that was with Folger. She was the one that killed Folgers. Stabbed her. Repeatedly. And so... um, Intimate. Very horribly and repeatedly. And Charlie fucking Manson says, you know, that's uh, that's not good enough. You half-assed it. You half-assed it. No gold star for you, Tex. You know, silver, silver. Tell you what, though. Here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow night, we're going to go out. I'm going to show you how to do it right. I'm going to show you how to get that gold star. And so he comes along with them the next night. And it's the same cast as the previous night, the same four from the previous night, plus Charlie, then this dude named uh, Grogan, like Stephen Grogan or something like that. And then another one of his um, more devout followers, he called her one of his... Front ladies, basically one of his prettier girls that he would use to, um, you know, when he was like baiting other men to join or trying to get, you know, basically it was like one of his top, what were they called? His bottom bitch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was kind of like. We'll his, go with that. Yeah, it was one of his bottom bitches. And um, so she wanted to impress. And I guess she had heard. What they did the previous night, and they started, you know, and Helter Skelter was in full swing, so she wanted to have a part in it. Was that a good decision? It's a bad call. I think that was a bad that call. That was a bad call. Yeah. So they, um, so they all load up into the car, and they drive to this family's house, and they have nothing to do with this family other than the fact that Manson was at a party like two, three houses down from them like a little while back, so he just knows the area. He knows, he knows they're rich. Yeah, he knows they're rich. He knows the area. He knows how to get in and out. See, he's kind of got some sort of a, I don't know. You know, he was poor and in and out of prison, so he looks at the wealthy as, like, the target. Yeah. Pigs. Yeah, they represent. Yeah, you call them pigs. Is that where that comes from? I think that's where that comes from. I don't think that they meant cops when they when they wrote pig. No, I didn't think that they did. I just... That's never really broken down why that's Yeah, they written. don't... Yeah, I think it was just, you know, they called them piggies because they were, like, over overindulgent, over too much money, you know. Sort of a seven deadly sin kind of thing. Yeah, they weren't living the way they thought people should be living. Right. And um, 
So Manson goes into uh, the La Bianca's house. It's Lino and uh, Rosemary. Yep. And um, he's like a supermarket owner or something like that. Super I think he's an executive. I executive at a supermarket. Yeah, like a supermarket executive. So you know he's got money. And then she co-owns like a like a dress shop or something. Yeah. So very sixties store to have. Yeah. You, know, you don't you don't refer to anyone that you know right now as having a dress shop. No, I don't know any dress shop. Immediately owners. takes you to a period of time. But yeah. yeah, continue. I don't even know too many people that call it the supermarket anymore. No. Grocery store, right? Grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in there. Uh, Charlie goes in with Tex, and they tie up the La Biancas, and they tell them, keep it cool. We're just here to rob you. No one has to die. Just give us your money, and we're going to get out. Would you be compliant in that situation? I think I would be. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to rob you. Right. I think I would be more compliant. Especially they go in, they take my shit. Okay. Once you're tied up though, you're kind of you're kind of fucked, right? I mean you're, you're fucked. Yeah, you got compliant is all you can be. Yeah. But all right. So um so the so Charlie comes walking out with Tex and they walk down to the car where our good friend uh Kasabian is once again driving. And um Charlie's like, All right, you know what to do. Yeah, that seems like his mantra. Mm. Just kind of pass off the torch, you know. Hey, you know what to do. Even though he was supposed to be demonstrating tonight. He was, he was supposed, supposed to be, to be demonstrating. Yeah, this was yeah. this was the full-blown demo night. This is how you gold star it. So, no, no. Charles is like, all right, this is, you know what to do. And so, um, Tex brings in the Krenwinkle girl, the one that stabbed Folgers from the previous night. And then the new one, um, the bottom bitch, Van Houten. And, you know, so she, she's new. She hasn't done any of this yet. The bottom bitch. <laughs> his front girl. His front girl. His front girl. The pretty girl's going to get her hands dirty. Yes. And she wanted to, right? She wanted to come along. She wanted to come along. Right. So so they go in there. Meanwhile, Kasabian drives Manson, uh, Atkins, and Grogan. Did I pronounce that one right again? You're good. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> the other guy. So apparently Kasabian knew some like Lebanese actor or something. I don't fucking know. Um, specifically, right off the top of he my head. He was jealous and she dated some dude and he wanted to go fucking murder him. He wanted basically. to fuck him up, yeah. yeah. And so they got to their house and it's not really clear to me how it happened, but somehow Kasabian fucked it up. Um, and she says that she fucked it up intentionally. At least, of course, during the trial she said that. Good call. Yeah, very good call. Once again, smart. Good timing. Yes. <laughs> so, I did that deliberately. Yeah, I threw him off. I just, I saved a life. So apparently she knocked like on like the wrong door or something and it caused them to panic. So it was at like an apartment complex. And then as they're leaving the apartment complex, Atkinson, uh, the fucking crazy one that taunted Sharon Tate the night before, uh, just decided to drop trowel and take a shit on the stairway as they're making their getaway. And then, uh, that's it, impressive. Are you a guy that can do that? Are you a guy that can on command in I, front of people? I would think like I would be rushing too much to think, you know, I got to pinch a loaf off. I'm not a loaf on command person. Right. I don't know if my system's gotten to some sort of timing, but if it's I, like a right now thing, even if it was a vengeful act, I'd be, 
I'd uh, need time. Yeah, I'd well, need time. Well, there's a great uh, uh, Mr. Show sketch on that, actually, where David Cross is like this uh, performance artist. And it's about like people that protest the American flag and like those kind of douchey people that, um, yeah, he was going to take a shit. You know, you shit on me, I shit on you. And he goes to like take a shit on the flag and he can't go. And, you know, it just ends up embarrassing him. He's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That would be me. That would be me, too. I, I mean, think I that wouldn't would be most do that, but right, I wouldn't do that. But just in general, like there's okay, shit on command. Fight, there's position. I'm not used to being in that position. Going no, to the bathroom. Uh, like on a stair, on a staircase. Nothing to read. How would you even do it on a staircase? Yeah, the reading. That'd be. It's not like they had like an iPhone back then where they could just pull up an article. I'm there with Manson, and I'm saying that's impressive. She did that. <laughs> maybe she had to go, and it wasn't that. Impressive. I, I think. I think she probably just maybe had She's to like, go. Just real quick. Yeah, like oh, I gotta go. <laughs> I took the green acid tonight. Right. <laughs> right. Even weirder on acid. That would be weirder on yeah. acid. Yeah. Yeah, that would. It's quite a picture. Can you even, like, I, doesn't it constipate you? No. No? No, it's just everything's enhanced. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to be sick tripping. Right. You need to use the facility. <laughs> oh, fuck. But I can't remember a time there where I was where I needed to use the restroom. I mean, you're pretty much... Story for another time. Keep going. We've gotten way off track. So... Oh, God. All right. So, we, so let's we, take it down here. Yeah. Okay. So now we're back at the LaBianca house. And we're going to go from <laughs> funny to a quick murder. <laughs> <laughs> we're so bad at this. This is fucking terrible. Where okay. Was, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to juxtapose it. You're just going to have to go with it. Yeah. I just feel like the anchor that's like, and Bubbles the monkey put on a great performance for the kids today. <laughs> In other news, 400 people. <laughs> that's, that's what you're going to do. So, so Manson so, so, doesn't pull off any murder here. The Lebanese guy gets apparently warned because of the way that this whole thing gets conducted. The crazy bitch Atkins craps on the stairs. And the LaBiancas are are still at home tied up? So the LaBiancas are still at home tied up, and they uh, they don't get the compassionate one or the one that, you know, Charles Manson, who's clearly afraid to get his hands dirty and when he wants other people to get his hands... No, they've got fucking Tex in their home. They've got the big fucking cowboy. The gold star. Gold star. Yep. He, and he's, he didn't get his gold star last night, so you know he's really going to go for his fucking gold star tonight. And so they split up the LaBiancas. Mr. LaBianca is in the living room. They send Mrs. LaBianca into the bedroom. And I believe they had pillowcases over their heads. So I guess they couldn't see what was going on or something. So when they get Miss LaBianca in into their the own bedroom. House? In their own house. And you're going to kill them. And you're killing them in their own house. You've already Why taken you their the money. Pillowcases? Like, I'm in my own house. You could walk me right now with a pillowcase on my head to my kitchen. And I'd know exactly where it was. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I mean, if it was a white pillowcase, you can probably see through it anyway. I think the pillowcases were a bad call. I th- <laughs> if you're going to murder someone, don't use a pillowcase. Well, you're going to murder them. It's not like they're going to... Yeah. I mean, maybe it was kind of like... Maybe, well, maybe maybe they were thinking they were just going to execute them. And so it's kind of like how when they execute a prisoner, they'll put the hood over the head so they don't see it coming, maybe. I don't know. 
I don't know. I feel That's like a theory. It, I feel like it's disingenuous. I'm like, not, if you're going to murder me, I, you know, I don't want to do a case. Look in my fucking eyes if well, the light goes me, out of them. You know, last words, prepare for it. Right. Well, usually don't they speak the last... I don't know. I, I'm not a fucking professional here at this. I'm just... I'm against the pillowcases, but keep okay. going. So, so they get Miss LaBianca into the bedroom, and, they, and Tex just starts going to town on Mr. LaBianca. Stabs him in the neck, da-da-da-da-da. Starts going to town, like stab, 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 stab. Now, he does it with a chrome blade, right? And on the chrome blade, something's engraved. It says war. No, 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 no. Am I confusing some things You're confusing some things here. So, he starts stabbing up Mr. LaBianca. Mrs. LaBianca hears this. She's in the bedroom with the other two girls. She starts freaking out. She kind of gets out of her... out of her bonds, her, you know, slips the, can't call them shackles, but slips through the, uh, she's tied up, she's tied up, gets out of being tied up and starts going after, uh, the Van Houten girl with a, um, with a, uh, not a candlestick, like with a fucking lamp. And, but they've got her kind of pinned down, but they can't really handle her. And, um, the girl that stabbed the Folgers girl the previous night, Krebwinkle, Krenwinkler, Kremlin. Um, apparently she starts trying to stab Miss LaBianca, but she's not doing a good job at it, so they call in the big gun. Um, so Van Houten's trying to hold down, um, Mrs. LaBianca, and they call in Tex. And Tex comes in there and proceeds to just stab the fuck out of her. With a chrome-plated bayonet. Yeah. And, um, just, just... Oh, war was carved... Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't go, don't, 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 don't. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. So he stabs up Mrs. LaBianca. And um, now at this point, Mrs. LaBianca is pretty much dead. And uh, Krenwinkel, I think, had a couple stabs in there. And at this point, um, Mr. LaBianca is pretty much dead. And so as he's walking out, the whole time this is happening, Van Houten is just standing there in the hallway, just shocked, just shell-shocked. Uh, she said she has no like no um, memory of sound from that. She just remembers staring down the hall. Now, where are you getting this? Because what I'm reading about it is... This is from Van Houten herself. Is Krenwinkler and Van Houten were ordered to kill Rosemary and do. It doesn't say anything about Watson killing her. Okay, now this is actually from um, Krenwinkel and Van Houten. Like, I've watched interviews. And so the, the, both of their stories match up. Right, but the police have have this published as Watson kills the husband. And the girls kill Tex, the wife. as we know him, and, right. and the story kills the husband. And then the girls are ordered to kill the wife and do. Okay, that's not the way it goes down. But they're... They try to kill the wife. But according to them, they don't. Right. Krenwinkel tries to stab her, but apparently doesn't. So she runs and gets Tex. And Tex, can, and we know what Tex does. He, he's Mr. Stab Man. He stabs the fuck out of people. <laughs> I'm only laughing because, well, the way you talk about Tex is just bizarre. <laughs> the guy, I mean, seriously, he's just a fucking... He's Mr. He's a, Stabby guy. <laughs> he's a fucking menace. He's a fucking menace, this guy. You know, he seriously, he's uh, kind of, he's a piece of, he's a psychotic. Jesus. He's the one, you want something done, you go to the guy that's trying you to get the gold Mr. star. Stabby, right. Yeah. And so, so 
so Van, while this is going on, he's stabbing Lobby, Mrs. LaBianca, and Van Houten backs the fuck out of the room. She's just like, what the fuck is going on? She's staring down the hallway, like, just in shock. And so Tex walks up to her, then hands her the knife, and he says, Charlie says everyone's got to get their hands dirty. You got to do something here. So at this point, Mrs. LaBianca is pretty much already dead. And in Van Houten's own words, she goes and stabs her in the lower back and, like, buttocks area 16 times. These are Van Houten's words. But essentially, she's stabbing a cadaver, a corpse. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while Van Houten's doing that, fucking gold star, stab man, goes out into the fucking living room and carves war into Mr. LaBianca's chest. And at this point, uh, Krenwinkel noticed that there was like a silver serving fork somewhere like around the house that apparently caught her eye. And so she starts stabbing him with it and like leaves the serving fork like in his body. And that's not in this. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, so then Krenwinkel tonight, she gets to play artist. And now she goes and writes the word rise in, um, um, in the uh, LaBianca's blood. I believe it was uh, Mrs. LaBianca's blood. Um, she writes the word rise up on the house. Then writes the word helter-skelter on the refrigerator door. Yep. And then writes death to piggies or death to pigs or something along those lines. Um, so she does even more artwork than Atkins did the previous night. Apparently it wasn't witchy enough. So she, so she, yeah. So you're, you're all in the car, right? And you've just murdered this innocent couple. Oh, they don't even, okay. So after they do that, they don't even leave right away. Tex uses their shower, takes a shower. Okay. Um, uh, while Krenwinkel's, um, writing, you know, doing her arts around the house. Uh, not really sure what Van Houten's doing. They don't really mention it. Apparently, she goes into a corner or something. But then after Tex takes a shower, they all go and help themselves to the fridge. Make a meal. Make a little... Make themselves a sandwich. Okay. Then they leave. Well, has Manson arrived back with a vehicle? Did they take two cars? No. So they, they made their own getaway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they got back. I don't know how they got out. All right, so we're all back at Manson Ranch, right? Yeah. And Manson's supposed to have shown us all how it's done. Right. And we have a high school prank basically take place on his murder run. Right. While the other group goes and viciously they stabs two people. Yeah, they do it up even more with the theatrics. And they have dinner. They have dinner. And right all over the place with their own blood. Yeah. And carve shit into their chests. Yeah. They go a little more macabre that night. Like, okay, is that how it's done? <laughs> right. I guess so, because uh, nothing else happened after that. And even though the shit was written on the walls, the police department's not right away connecting the murders. Right, at, right. At first they thought um, all the celebrities in Hollywood, like Steve McQueen started carrying a gun around. Um, I think, um, what was the name? Not Dean Martin, the other one. Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Sinatra got the fuck out of town. Um, so they thought it was like some sort of like celebrity killer. But then, um, but they weren't linking the family with the Tate murder. 
And it wasn't until uh, sometime fucking dude, you remember back to the first one, when they uh, killed the musician guy? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, the guy that killed him was driving around in his car, and he got arrested. They were kind of like, uh, you realize you're driving a dead man's car here? Oh, I am? Oh, this is my friend. He loaned it to me. Like, well, the police department ends up raiding so the compound because they, they eventually they're tied to stolen cars. All these stolen right, cars. Right, right. And that eventually... But before that happens... Uh, well, then they let them off. Well, they let them off because they didn't do the paperwork right. Right, right. They get off on a technicality. And so during that time, Atkins gets... Um, is it Atkins or Atkinson? I can never... But anyway, so she fucking, um, she gets arrested. And while she's in jail, she, um, she's bragging to her cellmate about how, you know, she killed Sharon Tate. So she's not real bright. No. Okay. And so then the cellmate is kind of like, get me the fuck out of this cell with this crazy chick. And she tells him, you know, like, uh. Yeah, that's their first hint, and then one of the other girls is confesses to like an old so college then, roommate, right? So yeah, and then like they start kind of rounding them up, and then that's when Kasabian kind of comes out, like, "Hey, I was just a getaway driver." She panics. Yeah, and turns state state's evidence. Right, and she rolls on all of them. All of them. And her thing is, I was blackmailed into doing this because they were going to take my kid and kill my family and blah, 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 and they wouldn't let me go, and I had to do it. Right. So she doesn't go to prison. Even though she had the opportunity, while they were butchering Sharon Tate, to drive straight to the police station and Right, but she said she couldn't because they had her kid. Right. But, I mean, you would think she could go to the police station. This is before they had... The technology to know the police station could have just gone, done a straight up raid on the place, right? The Spawn Ranch, right then and there. Yeah, you know, I, I she could have ended it. She could have ended it all right then and there. Her point, her, her, her position her, on her it position was is, they couldn't. Right, and so she, by rolling over on these people, she she gets do off a day. She gets off right, scot free. I don't even think she did any time during the trial, did she? So how many people? Th- Almost all of them are convicted and get a death sentence, right? Well, that's right. Right, the Grogan guy. I think he got off. He had, was or, he originally a death sentence. I don't know if he was one of the death sentence. There was the big four. It was Van Houten, Krenwinkel, Atkins, Manson. Though, and then eventually Tex, because Tex went back to Texas, and then they had to extradite him back to California. They yeah. eventually caught him in Texas. And he he was able to delay, so he didn't get as much of the tabloids as the, you know, the three girls in Manson did. Because that was the big thing was it was these three girls, you know, running that were just seemingly the girl next door doing Manson's deeds. Yeah, and so and then during the trial, Manson had him doing fucked up shit. He was giving him advice. Apparently, he was slipping him acid, and so and he would tell him just go and sing, just sing, you know, act like it doesn't bother. And so he's just giving him bad advice. Making them look like even fucking more crazy than they really are. Totally brainwashed is how they appeared. Yeah, and um, although I don't think we should blame acid again. Once again, this is you what keep bringing it back to acid. When you when they do the interviews, um, specifically Krenwinkel and Van Houten, when you hear their interviews, that's what they keep bringing up. He was slipping us acid in jail. Da da da. I'm just relaying to you what they said happened. 
Mm-hmm. So Van Houten says when they were describing um, Mrs. LaBianca's murder, she starts laughing in jail. She said, yeah, I was, I was high as fuck. So, yeah, I, she's like, no, it's not funny at all what happened. And what I, but I was so fucking out of my mind, you know. Right, and she's talking about this after being in prison for three decades. Right, at the point of this interview, she was like in her mid-50s. So, so it was like it was like a 1990s years. interview, yeah. yeah. So about 30 years. They're all trying to get paroled, trying to get out, and uh, yeah. he's slipping me acid, and I don't remember yeah. it, and I couldn't. Right? You yeah. have more. So you have a lot. We're on different sides. I have no sympathy for them. A lot of people have no sympathy right. for them. Um, so Atkins dies in prison uh, in 2009. She dies in prison of cancer, brain cancer, right? Yeah, okay. she got a bad cancer. Um, I've seen her, you know, at her parole hearings, I've seen videos of it. She breaks down, cries, acts remorseful, but no, I think she did. I think she died where she needed to die. She died in prison as she should have. Um, she had no remorse. She's a public defecator. Which Uh, is impressive, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But when you're bragging about how you, um, you know, she wasn't killed a prick. Yeah. Um, not, not a good accomplice. No. <laughs> <laughs> so her, yeah, definitely desired. Krenwinkel, I think she should die in prison. Um, I mean, she was there both nights. She did a lot of the stabbing. She did some of the artwork. Uh, same with um, Atkins. She did the artwork at the Tate residence. I'm right there. You did the artwork. Fuck, you know. The getaway driver that got off without doing a day, I think, should still be in prison. Yeah. Um uh, Tex, he's in prison. He's I mean, not getting out. Death penalty. He, he really should have gotten the death. Yeah, penalty. he just got um, parole denied this summer, and I can't remember for how many years, but he can't get parole again for like something like roughly another five years. And then and what is he in his eighties? Seventies, eighties, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, Manson's never getting fucking. No, old. he's eighty-two. He's not getting out. He kind of makes sure that he doesn't get out. The swastika he, he, he carved in his yeah. head. His he interviews. Likes where, yeah, he likes where he's at. Yeah, he's comfortable. Yeah, it would um, probably be pretty scary to get out for him. The only gray area that I have is with um, Van Houten. I just, you know, a lot of the she just uh, this summer was granted parole by the parole board but then the governor of uh, California came in and vetoed the fuck out of that mm-hmm. honestly I think if any one of them should get paroled it should be her um, she made a fucking stupid decision by going there but she didn't really kill anybody your argument is that she stabbed a cadaver she stabbed a cadaver by her own admission and one other person that was there. Right. She stabbed the cadaver. She really wasn't able to accomplish much and did it because she was ordered to and blah, blah, blah. Right. Now, didn't she know she was going to murder people? See, and that's where it gets gray for me. However, I do believe if she wasn't involved with Manson, there's a good chance she probably would have been paroled at some point. Well, well, it's a different conversation, the prison system, because you know how I feel about it already. It's right. a fucking worthless, worthless thing. It's, I really don't, I don't think reform happens by locking somebody up for 30 years. It's just a way to pull them out of society and put them someplace where they can't hurt the other kids. Right. 
it's uh, not really for mental health. Yeah. See, from everything I've heard, she's been a model inmate, gotten multiple degrees, which, you know, she has time to do. I yeah, don't. but degrees in prison but, are real degrees. They're right. Shit degrees. Um, honestly, I actually think a person like that could do some good on the outside. At this point in her life, she's 70-something years old, right? I don't think she's going on a fucking killing spree. I think she could probably counsel young people. I don't think she's a threat to society. I really don't want to pay for her any longer in prison. I mean, I agree with those things, but if, if I we're mean, just looking at it at face value, like what did you do and what happened to those people? And I'm a... You know, I'm a, the son of the supermarket guy or right, whatever. Right, right, right. The Tate sister is very much always there at the parole hearings. Maybe nobody goes if I don't go. You know, I'm, I don't know what the mood was or what kind of enthusiasm there was to get this thing done. But, you know, if you're there, yeah, if you're dumb enough to participate in a murder... And that's the only thing, like, where I can't quite get her off the hook. She didn't wake up the next day and report them. Like, holy fuck, this is what happened. Right. Or, she kept rolling. Or not, not even like she was there the first night where she thought she was going to do one thing and ended up getting forced into another. She went there on night two, knowing what happened on night one. Right. You so, can't feed me enough acid to start murdering people, so, number one. Right. So. <laughs> you, we could go. We could go right now. And you could throw me in jail and slip me acid, and you wouldn't find me singing in front of the press. Like, I wouldn't just start singing. I'd probably be... I don't think you could get me out of my cell. I think I'd be paranoid to go face yeah, judgment. Yeah, anything, you'd be scared. Yeah, to go face judgment in front of people? When you're tripping, you overly, you know, you overly confess. You, right. You, uh, you, you, there's, you withhold nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, you lose your ego, essentially. Oh, totally. You are uh, putty. Yeah, actually, Beach Boys song, you know, hang on to your ego. That's about tripping on acid. Well, partied <laughs> with Manson. Hey, well, yeah, I don't think Dennis wrote that one, but yeah. How do we get here? I have no clue. But I will say, if any one of them should get off, it's Van Houten. Just, this is my stance on it. Just to some, you know, I think she should. I think she should be given a chance. I think it would be interesting to see her working with troubled kids. And hear them, you know, telling their story. Well, my dad won't buy me a car. And but my friend, his dad, his dad bought him a car. And, and he doesn't even have to work and da-da-da-da-da. And then just have this woman be like, listen, kid, let me tell you about my family. Oh, no. Nope, don't agree with you there. I think it would be interesting. Yeah, it would be. It would be interesting. <laughs> the kind of shit you could film, like, <laughs> but a bad idea. I don't know. It'd be. I don't know. You've gone to like an entertainment corner. Possibly. Maybe it's just the entertainer in my head that entertains be. these notions. But I honestly, like, legitimately do think she could help out some people that are really messed up. Well, the Manson guy. I mean, he's never. Because she's going to be on no. parole, right? He is. So that means probation. So she's always going to have someone watching her. Even if she, you know, did, you know, like go and speak and like help out troubled people. At this point, dude, she's in her mid seventies. She's not. She's not. Can you imagine, like, when she gets out of jail and like sees like everyone walking down the street with iPhones and like, how is she going to support herself? What is she going to do that is going to be so impactful? Oh, dude, she'll write a book, and I wow. bet you she'll make money. Books don't make as much money as they used to. She'll do something. Do a Oprah special or something. She'll go right from jail into a retirement home. Because they don't have horrible health care in prison. Yeah. So I don't know. 
This is so you watch this girl get denied, like essentially granted parole, and then it ripped away from her by the governor. And all of a sudden, one night, sitting in your room, jumped into the Manson murders. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we're well, that well, yeah. they got me fired up because I was kind of like, what the fuck's a seventy year old gonna do? Yeah, you're giving back. Those people that were listening to just chill and get their mind off things are now rattled. Some visions of pillowcases and defecation and stabbing and well, shooting and yeah. Well, I mean, it's just something that, you know. You got me. You know, you started talking about acid there, and then I was like, hey, that's something I was just really reading up on recently. So, uh, well, like, yeah, yeah. Now we're here. Now we're here. I guess we, I was James Hamilton. I was. I was Travis McFalls. Thanks for listening. Why don't you follow us on Twitter at When Life Attacks or Facebook When Life Attacks Podcast. Or you can look directly at our blog, which is whenlifeattackspodcast.com, where you can view our complete list of social media. If you prefer to keep it simple, you can just email us at whenlifeattacks at gmail.com. Hey, hey, I got something to mail you out, man. You're just freaking oh. out here. You never smoked no shit like that before. Take these, What? Man. Take these. This will mail you out, man. What is this, man? I'm just taking them, man. Oh. Oh. Hey, hey, don't take those, man. What? I almost gave you the wrong shit, man. Hey, man, I already took them, man. Oh. Hey, what do you mean? Oh. Oh. Wow, man. Hey, what was that shit, man? You just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. Hey, man, I never had no acid before, man. Geez, I hope you're not busy for about a month. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna die, man. That's just gonna make me die, oh, man. man. No, that's good acid. Hey, man, man. I never had it before, man. That's gonna hey, make me die. Well, it's gonna make me freak nah, out, man. man. I've seen those guys walk around my neighborhood nah, had too man. many acid, man. The head looked like okay. a pumpkin hey, like that, man. Relax, man. Hey, mellow out, man. Now just go. Oh. What? Do it, man. Oh. 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 Shit. Mellow. Oh, man. Mellow. Mellow. Yeah. You better now, man? Yeah. You mellow? Yeah. Feel all right, huh? Ah! Oh, God, God.